0: You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. Connection with our text this morning. Let's read together from Acts chapter 20, beginning at verse 13. It's the Apostle Paul's farewell words to the elders of the Ephesian church. We went on ahead to the ship and sailed for Asos, where we were going to take Paul aboard. He had made this arrangement because he was going there on foot. When he met with us at Aesos, we took him aboard and went on to Mytilene. The next day we set sail from there and arrived at Chios. The day after we sailed, we crossed over to Samos and on the following day arrived at Miletus. Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus to avoid spending time in the province of Asia, for he was in a hurry to reach Jerusalem if possible By the day of Pentecost, from Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. When they arrived, he said to them, "You know how I lived the whole time I was with you, from the first day I came into the province of Asia. I served the Lord with great humility and with tears, although I was severely tested by the plots of the Jews. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would that would be helpful to you." But have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I may finish the race and complete the task the lord jesus has given me The task of testifying to the gospel of god's grace Now I know that none of you Among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again Therefore I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of all men For I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of god Remember that for three years I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. When he had said this, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. They all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. What grieved them most was his statement that they would never see his face again. Then they accompanied him to the ship. Our text this morning comes from the book of Hebrews. Chapter 13, verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, our text this morning talks about authority and submission and obedience. Now, I hope you don't mind the comparison, but it seems that to talk about ruling and authority and obedience and submission in today's culture is a bit like talking about outhouses. Some people think you're old-fashioned, and some people are offended that you brought it up in the first place. That's the air that we live in. That's our culture. Obedience, submission, ruling, authority. Those are not the sort of things we like to talk about. But we need to talk about them and we also need to be on our guard against adopting the principles about power from our culture. And God's, God's people have always had to do that. Be careful about where they take their, their ideas about power and authority. In the time of Samuel, the people declared that they wanted a king, and they wanted a king so they could be like the other nations around them. That was not a good desire on their part. And at various times in church history and in various places around the world, you can see the church adopting power structures that look a lot like the world. The Roman Empire was an empire that was ruled by one man. And he delegated authority to other one men. They delegated authority to other men. That's how the power structure was set up in the Roman Empire. And if you were to look at the Roman Catholic Church, you'd see that the power structure resembles that same structure. The church is ruled by... One, And you can look at many other places around the world where individual churches, so not whole bodies like the Roman Catholic Church, but individual churches are also ruled by one person. They take their cue from somewhere. Usually it's from the political structures around them. Now, in the West, in North America, we don't really like that. All this power being given to one man, he's probably going to take advantage of that. We can see the problems with that very clearly. Perhaps we're not so affected by that. But what we are affected by are the powers of democracy and egalitarianism. We don't think power should be tied up in one individual. In fact, we don't think power should be tied up in anyone, in particular any body or group or anything. Power should be given to everyone equally. That's democracy. Power to the people. We think that all people should hold equal power and authority. And so there's various ideas about how power and authority and obedience and submission should work. We need to consider, what does God's word say about these things? And we find ourselves in the position to consider that this morning, especially considering that we are anticipating the election for office bearers next week following the morning service. And so we need to think about this as we elect leaders, men to serve as leaders in the congregation, or as we look forward to hearing about a call, a man to serve as a minister of the word, a leader in the congregation, we need to think about leadership and authority. From where do our ideas come? How should we think about these things? That's what we will do this morning And we'll do so from the starting point of the sovereign reign of our king, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's our starting point as we discuss rule and authority. We must first acknowledge that all power and authority for the church rests upon him. He is the king. He is the ruler. That's a fact. And from there we see that he is the king, and as he rules, and as he exerts his authority, he does it for good. He is a good king. He is a good shepherd. He rules over his people for their good. And he rules over his people, especially through the office of the elder. There are some ruling functions that are associated with the office of deacon. And I'm including the office of minister and the word in elder this morning when we speak about this. Jesus Christ rules his church for their good through the elders. We'll see there's an element of obedience there on behalf of the congregation. We'll see that there's an element of care. That's the, that's the role of the elders. And we'll see that there is mutual joy when there is harmonious relationship between the rulers of the congregation and the congregation itself. So Jesus Christ rules the church through his elders for the good of his people. So first then we consider obedience. The obedience that is commanded of God's people for their leaders. And that comes directly from our text, Hebrews 13, verse 17. This section of Hebrews, it's at the end of the book of Hebrews, and the author in this, this whole section is hitting a bunch of different topics. They're loosely connected, but not totally connected. He seems to be jumping from one thing to the next, They kind of fall in the same area of church life and, and different things, but not completely connected. That's why we can take this text this morning as a bit of a standalone text. And our author, the, the text begins with the author of Hebrews. We don't know who it was that wrote the book of Hebrews, but we do know what he said. And in verse 17 of chapter 13, he said, obey your leaders and submit to their authority. Now, on what basis can he say this? You have to obey. Why? Well, it's on the basis of the authority of Jesus Christ and the authority that Jesus Christ has given to the leaders of the church, to the elders of the church. And elders have a very long history in with God's people. It's an institution that goes back all the way to the time of Moses when God commanded Moses to appoint elders to assist him in the work of ruling over the people of Israel. Since that time, elders ruled over God's people. The amount that they ruled, the extent of their rule, went up and down with the various kings and depended how much God's people were were into their Bibles, were understanding their power structures from God's word, but there is an unbroken line of rulership by the elders. Even when the people went into exile, even there in Babylon, the elders continued to function in that manner over God's people. In the, new te- in the New Covenant area, as Paul preached to the Gentiles, he would first go and preach the gospel and establish a group of worshipers. And then he would return and he would appoint elders to watch over the church there. And several of his letters mentioned, they're addressed to the elders of the church. Paul understood the authority that the Lord Jesus Christ gives to the elders. And he transmitted that authority as an apostle of Jesus Christ himself. And our reading from Acts chapter 20 is very instructive. There Paul says to the elders, verse 28, Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Jesus Christ, through his Holy Spirit, has made these men overseers of the flock. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. There is no doubt in Paul's mind, and there's no doubt in the mind of the author of the Hebrews, there's no doubt from a biblical perspective that the church is ruled by Jesus Christ. And that Jesus Christ, by his Holy Spirit, appoints elders to watch over his people. So given this chain of command, Jesus Christ, elders, congregation, when the people of God are obeying their leaders, they're obeying Jesus Christ. There are some more considerations in that, which we'll get to. If Jesus Christ rules through the elders in the church then to obey the elders is to obey Jesus Christ. That line is pretty straight and easy to see. It's quite clear from Scripture. An analogy, a similar relationship exists in marriage. Christ, husband, wife. In Ephesians 5, Paul commands husbands to love their wives as Christ... Loves the church and he commands wives to submit to their husbands. The Lord has given the husband the place of authority within the family. And therefore, when the wife submits to her husband, she submits to Jesus Christ. Put the other way, to obey Jesus Christ is to obey those whom Jesus Christ has put in authority over you. Now, that may be in a political sphere, the government that Jesus Christ has put over us. That may be in the familial sphere, the husband over his wife and both of them over their children. Or in the case of our text this afternoon, in the church where the elders rule. Well, for the immediate audience that this letter of the Hebrews is written to, this may have been difficult to hear. It may have been difficult to hear. We don't know for sure, but it's possible that many or perhaps all of of those whom this letter is being written to had been converted under the preaching of the apostles and evangelists, the very first ones who had gone out with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And following their conversion and their entrance into the church through baptism, obedience to the apostles and the evangelists, that, that first person or that first group that came along to preach the good news, that would have been quite natural and easy to do. These were, after all, the men who had first proclaimed the gospel. There, there's a, a natural allegiance and obedience built right into the relationship there. After all, these men were disciples of Jesus Christ or were the, the very forefront of the going out of the gospel. But yet these men had moved on. And this writer makes clear that the transition from apostle or evangelist or other early preacher to a new generation of leaders should not involve less obedience. You look at verse 7, the author of the letter to the Hebrews urges the people to remember your leaders who spoke past tense the word of God to you. He's saying, remember those men who first came and Preach the good news to you. Keep in mind their faith and their godly life. But then he says, Jesus Christ in verse 8, chapter 13, verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. Jesus Christ ruled over you when those men first came and preached the good news He rules over you today, and he's going to rule over you in the future. Now, jump to verse 17, and you see the application of those words. Jesus Christ continues to rule the church. He may not do so anymore through Paul or Peter or Apollos, but he continues to rule, and he does so through the elders. The elders change, but the head of the church does not change. And today, as any day, He needs to be obeyed. Our lives ought to be given in submission to Him. And therefore, we also ought to heed the direction, the urgings, the commands of the men that He has appointed to be leaders in the church, the elders. Brothers and sisters, we need to ask ourselves if we find this to be an uncomfortable topic, something we'd rather not talk about. Is there something about the authority structure of the church that we find difficult or that we have already resolved not to obey that we'd rather do without? As we come to the election for office bearers, the church desires to hear the Holy Spirit speak through you in order to appoint new leaders over this church. And so we need to do so consciously. We need to seek men who are up for the job. Men who are going to rule well. Men who understand their place under Jesus Christ. But we also need to understand our place as congregation. Which is to live in obedience to Jesus Christ under the men that he has given us to rule over us. Acknowledging that Jesus Christ is the king means acknowledging that Jesus Christ rules over us through his elders. We cannot escape that. Now, perhaps your mind is turning over the possibility that a man charged with the task of being an overseer in the church might not perform his duties properly. Maybe he's not up for the task. Perhaps he overuses or abuses his authority. Is the author of the, Hebrew, of the letter to the Hebrews here giving carte blanche power to leaders Is he urging the congregation to a blind, unthinking obedience to whomever it is that is declared to be a leader over them? Well, we'll consider that now in our second point, the the task of these leaders, which is really all about care. You might hear the first point of this sermon And think that the church is a place ripe for a few power-hungry men to seize power and then to exert it in whichever way they want, because after all, God commands everyone to listen to them. People better listen to them or else. But while God's word is absolutely clear about the authority of Jesus Christ and to whom he is given authority and power. It's also clear about what the purpose of that authority is. Again, Acts chapter 20 is one passage among many. That's very instructive here. Paul urges the Ephesian elders to be shepherds of the church of God. He doesn't say to them, be dictators, be overlords. Make sure you exert your authority at every opportunity, be chieftains over the tribe. No. Be shepherds over the church of God. No authority that is given to the leaders in the church, sorry, the authority that is given to the leaders in the church is an authority to care, an authority to nurture, an authority to support, to guide through the difficulties in life, just like the good shepherd does in Psalm 23. Yes, the elders are to be shepherds, just like God is a shepherd. And God is a loving, compassionate, caring, gracious shepherd who guides always for the good of his people. A shepherd will use the authority given to him by the owner of the sheep to move them this way or that for their own safety and protection and well-being in the same way the overseers are to use their authority within the church what's striking in our text is the intensity of the work with which the, the, the this care is supposed to be carried out the letter writer the author of the hebrews says They keep watch over you. They keep watch over you. And that verb there that's translated as keep watch over you has the sense of a continuous and a wakeful concern. According to several dictionaries, a continuous and a wakeful concern. They're not keeping watch from a distance. They're not easy chair elders. It's a continuous wakeful concern the life of the leader in the church is one that requires constant vigilance and often results in less sleep than they would have liked to get that's the way it is it's a continuous and a wakeful concern that's the place to which god has called the overseers they are to keep watch over the flock for the well-being of the flock And so then you realize that there's two practical aspects. There's two sides of this as we hear these words of our text. The one application is for the leaders of the church. You need to be constant and wakeful in your concern, in your care, in your vigilance over the flock. Is that the way that you carry out your office? Is it a constant thing? And is your, your mind and your life always upon the well-being of the people over whom you serve? It should be. The text leaves no room for it to be otherwise. They keep watch. They do. There's also an application for all of us the congregation. Do you know that these men who watch over you are concerned about your well-being? We have the fine practice of having home visitations, a once-a-year visit to the family. That is really the minimum of pastoral care, shepherding that goes on in the congregation. Everyone ought to receive at least one visit from their elders. Or these men aren't coming to your your house to check how clean your floors are or what the status of your couches is. They aren't there for the coffee and the cake, although they probably do appreciate it. No, these men are logging hours upon hours, visiting homes at least once, sometimes twice, maybe a dozen, maybe more times, because they care, because they're concerned. They're concerned for your well-being. Of course, your spiritual well-being. They want to know how your life is with the Lord. They want to know if you're living in obedience with him. They want to know if you're living by faith. They're also concerned about your physical and your mental and emotional well-being. If you're struggling, they desire to help. If you're erring, they desire to correct, again, for your well-being. If you're floundering, then they will help to support you and to lift you up. They keep watch over the congregation out of concern for those whom the Lord Jesus has put under their care. Yes, they do this under the authority of Jesus Christ. That's how our text goes on. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account The picture there is is one of recording the aspects of their work in a large book, a ledger, a diary, something like that. They're writing down, they're keeping account of the work that they're doing. And that they will one day present this account to the great shepherd, Jesus Christ, when their task is completed. And now you may ask, wait a second, what's being recorded there? Are these elders recording all the aspects of my life? Or are they recording what they have done? Well, it's not clear what they give an account for. I think it's not clear because they give an account for everything. It's deliberately ambiguous. They give an account both for their care and for those under their care. Of course, if you think about it, the two are so closely connected that they can't be divided. In fact, the goal of the office bearer is that the lives of those under their care is a testimony to their work. They present the lives of those they care for to the Lord Jesus as an accounting of the work that they do. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians says that he doesn't need a letter of recommendation from the Corinthians because they are his letter of recommendation. It's clear to everyone the work that Paul has done because it's clear in the congregation there in Corinth of the work that he's done. That's the goal of the office bearer. That it might be clear to the Lord Jesus Christ what kind of work they have done by the quality of the lives of those under their care. Now this doesn't mean that the best elder is the one with the least problems in his ward. Or that the best church is the one that has the least problems among her members. Not at all. That's not what I'm saying. But it does mean that the, the leaders of the church, that the elders of the church, are so exercising their God-given, Jesus Christ-given authority to care over those whom God has given them to care, that there is an impact. That it makes a difference that they are caring, are supporting, that the lives of those under their care are a testimony to the work that they have done in service to Jesus Christ. Of course, all by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so the elders will be called to account and need to serve as men who will give an accounting. They serve they need to serve as men who are constantly keeping an account of those under their care. No one slipping through the cracks. No one missing their gaze. Just like in a, a good accountant. And the congregation likewise has to recognize that concern. In fact, that's what we'll look at in the next point as we consider the mutual joy that comes when there is a harmonious relationship. The congregation and the individual member who recognizes and submits to the authority that Jesus Christ gives to the leaders of the church is a blessed congregation and a blessed member. The one who recognizes that that authority comes from Jesus Christ and who submits to it is a blessed person and a blessed congregation. And the elders that serve over the congregation that recognizes that are simultaneously blessed. The author of the letter of the Hebrews says, Obey them, obey your leaders, so that their work will be a joy, not a burden. For that would be of no advantage to you. That word burden there is also translated sometimes as sighing or groaning, so that their work would be a joy, not a sighing or a groaning. It seems that there are two types of people in the church. Those who make their leaders work a joy, and those who make their leaders work a burden, full of groaning and sighing. And that sighing does happen. The elder tries to carry out his work, does what he can to help and guide, to direct, but it seems that some people will just do whatever they want to do, and they will not listen to the elder seeking to help them. They give no concern, no heed to the concern of their Lord, Jesus Christ, as he expresses his concern through the leaders. It's true. The problem is it's not so much about the relationship between the member and the elder at that point, but the concern is between the member and their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The elders give direction and leadership not for the harm of the congregation, but for its upbuilding and blessing. And to not obey then is to cause grief and division and a breakdown in that relationship with Jesus Christ. But we need to recognize also, brothers and sisters, that the vast majority of members in this church cause the elders' work to be a joy. And that is a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful testimony. And it's a matter of praise and thanksgiving to Jesus Christ and glory to God When that happens. A short time ago, we here in Langley received the church visitors, visiting members, ministers from other churches in our classes who look at the life of the congregation. And they asked the question, is the work of the office bearers a joy? Do they find joy carrying out their work in the congregation? And the overwhelming answer is, yes, they do. And it truly is a joy. And it's it's a wonderful harmony. When the elders come and they inquire and they show concern and care. And there is respect. And there is obedience. Then there is much joy for all. And most of all, there's much praise to God when Jesus Christ is caring for the lives of His children, His members, the sheep under His care, so that they are able to live in obedience to Him, and to walk in the path of thankfulness, to walk in a way of joy. When there is this unity between Jesus Christ and the office bearers and the congregation under his care. There is much joy for all of us. And so, brothers and sisters, let us heed the words of our text. Let us obey our leaders. Let us submit to their authority. Let us honor Jesus Christ by honoring those whom Jesus Christ has given to serve over us. Let us make their work a joy, and from that let us find our blessing. Let us find blessing upon blessing, flow down from the throne of our Heavenly Father, so that to Him may be all glory, praise, and honor. Amen.